0: You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 118 called Top 5 Tips for the New School Year. In this episode, we'll each give our top five pieces of advice for new teachers, and then again for returning teachers. We'll also call out our favorite edtech tools for classroom implementation. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out.
1: so we're back for another episode i think uh, before we get into the bread and butter we might want to do some updates since we have a lot going on especially this week i feel like the summer has been extremely quiet and then this week it's like we're jumping right back into education full speed nick how you doing
0: i'm doing great and yeah you're right we did we did not that we did nothing for the first few weeks of summer but At least nothing related to school and and very little related to the podcast and now this week it's like all sort of hitting at once we've got pd sessions to present we've got curriculum to write and it's kind of all (laughs) like happening right now within the next four days so it's a lot but maybe that's the i don't know maybe that's a better way to kind of get back into gear and you've got something that i don't have right coming up this friday
1: yeah, this Friday is MoatCon, so one of my favorite edtech tools, Moat, uh, is putting on like a little mini conference, and we get to talk a little bit about the updates that's going on, we get to give some presentations as, as to some of the, I don't know, the pro motors. See what I did there? Pro motors, you yeah, know, exactly. the motors that are pro, yeah, I <laughs> give myself some summer, summer sleep credit on that one i'm starting to get more creative as uh i get more sleep but um it's called MoatCon. you can go to the show notes and you can actually still sign up it's free uh i get to present on some templates that i use uh in my classroom in regards to moat so i'm very excited about that i'm going to share some of my old favorites some of my new favorites and some that i've been working on so uh in my session. So if if you wanna come check that out, please do. If not, there are a lot of other awesome segments going on. So that's definitely one that you wanna check out. You and I both have uh, two professional developments that we're giving this week. One is on gamification. So we're gonna go over everything from those one-off games such as quizzes, uh, uh, Kahoot, those types of um, blue kit, those those are some of our favorite ones, but uh, we're going to show them those type of ed tech tools. But then we're also going to get into some game-based uh, lessons and uh, things like Escape the Rooms and The Amazing Race and how to make these type of things. And then followed up by another uh, professional development on one of our favorites, Choice Boards. And... We're gonna start with the simple choice boards on uh, our first uh, segment of that PD. But in the second segment, we're gonna talk about uh, our choice pyramid and how the choice pyramid could be used in efforts to help students be content creators and get their work out there. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I think we also had a Twitter question from one of the listeners and one of the people that I follow on Twitter. Her, uh, her name is Vicki, and she was asking us about design thinking and some resources. And Nick, I know you know, um, I'm more familiar with the whole STEM pathway, uh, that type of um, thinking. But design thinking is is pretty similar to the STEM pathway and solving a problem within the STEM pathway. But why don't you just go over your understanding of design thinking and then uh, we can go over one of the resources that we found online that we really like.
0: Yeah, design thinking is pretty cool. It's something I don't think a whole lot of teachers know about. And maybe it's something we should bring to the show. I, I, there is probably lots of ways that EdTech can incorporate with this, but it's, it is, and I don't know very much about it. I'm, I'm pretty new to it, but it's really just another branch coming down or another root coming off of the the umbrella that is project-based learning specifically in design thinking thinking it's a like a systematic approach to teaching students problem solving and oftentimes that is thinking about how to design a solution to that problem and I, I don't know all the steps but some of them and I'm I have to actually go back and read these from a source online that I'll throw into the show notes to give them credit but uh, specifically some of the steps include uh, discovery where the students are sort of figuring out what the problem is ideation where it's just a fancy word for kind of brainstorming and coming up with ideas experimentation which speaks for itself and then evolution which is how you know the uh, those ideas and the results of the experimentation kind of evolves over time. And it's just all about problem solving. So it's a very new age, sort of 21st century, even though we hate to use that term thing. Um, and it's really cool. And this was a, a great question from Vicky about uh, you know video resources to go along with this. And you were you able to kind of dig something up there?
1: Yeah, so makersempire.com has a really good resource on design and thinking. And I actually was familiar with... Uh, Maker's Empire, before this uh, article that they put out and this collection of resources, but it goes over what design thinking is. Uh, it goes over a little bit of how you would uh, teach design thinking, and there are some videos on there as well. But now that I look at it, this is very, very similar to uh, STEM teaching, uh, you know, making a or identifying a problem and using data to help you identify possible solutions so in this resource that i see here it says develop empathy insights and understandings that's very simple like that's very similar to problem-based learning uh, and the uh, stem pathway learning define a problem as an actionable question Uh, generate and visualize ideas develop prototypes so that's the stem really that's just nailing the stem on on the head there and then finally evaluate and test their design solutions so it's just another way of looking at a problem examining it collecting some data or examining some data that was already collected taking what you know about that topic and uh, making some type of a a possible or solution or something that makes sense and then going and testing that Uh, i would actually add one more and that's reporting out their findings after they do their their tests on their particular des- design solutions. So, I really like this one. There's some design thinking posters that you can print out and worksheets as well that will help you uh, learn how to teach it. So, I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, like I said, there's there's a couple of videos there that I think will help out and some definitions and other uh, awesome resources there. So. Uh, take a look at that, Vicky. I hope that helps you out a little bit. Uh, that that's pretty much the updates I think to this point. Other than we're writing curriculum on, we have a podcasting course, but now we're also going to do take it a step further, and and we're gonna write a uh, world ready technology too. And this is where our students are going to be able to. We're going to make a class cookbook for the holidays that they could bring in their favorite recipes. We're going to show them how to bring professional looking pictures into it and how to design that and also publish that cookbook. Um, So that will be pretty cool. Uh, Some of the other things that we were thinking of uh, just off the top of my head is uh, we're going to have the students work with clubs and maybe community businesses and things like that to help them brand their products, uh, make uh, flyers, posters, business cards, those type of things, maybe some promotional stickers and have them work on that and then uh, we'll come up with a couple other you know pretty cool projects for them to work on just so they could get their hands on some technology and understand how to use it and how it could help promote a business or a career path.
0: Yeah, I could see all that stuff from this new course coming into a future episode also. I mean, we basically, pretty much World Ready Technology 1 is like our podcasting class, and that grew out of this show, and I think it's going to go the opposite direction for World Ready 2, where we teach the course first, and then we'll have sort of experimented with all this cool new stuff, like the cookbook and you know branding and all that sort of good stuff and we can bring that back to an episode. So I'm excited to teach it. I'm excited to finally get the curriculum written for it and I'm excited for what that can bring to Got Tech to Do the the podcast.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com/podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: I think with that, we can probably kick off segment two here, um, which is a list of top fives. We typically, uh, maybe typically, usually we do something like this to help kick off the new school year, kind of our suite of new year episodes. Uh, This time, we've got uh, top five for new teachers. We're going to do that first right off the top. Uh, Top five for returning teachers is going to come in second. Although I'll say returning teachers, you may want to listen in because there's some good advice just across the board here. And then, lastly, we'll end it with um, top five tips for integrating ed tech. Just to stick with what this show is all about, because a lot of these first ones, they are not necessarily tech centric. These are just kind of like our thoughts um, to help motivate people and help get the ball rolling, and maybe give you a couple of good ideas. You know, we—I don't by any means think of myself as an as an expert teacher, but. Uh, we do talk to a lot of teachers via this show and PD, so I think we have a good perspective on some things, and I hope that some of this, uh, some of these, will 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 share that. So that is what this next segment is going to be, and um, maybe I'll kick it off uh, to you first to get through some of your uh, new teacher advice, perhaps.
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorite things uh, to reflect on because you know I. Don't feel I got a lot of good guidance coming into my first year, but I really did not maybe understand all of the guidance that I was getting. Didn't remember it all, but there are a couple things that really got me through my first year, and that that's to set goals. And as cheesy as that sounds, because I feel like everyone says it, uh, you need short term and long term. My long term goal was made by my. Uh, cooperating teacher when i did my student teaching and she said your long-term goal your first year is to survive that was it and and really that is that is true but i missed the mark because i didn't make it like a lot of attainable short goals and what i mean by that maybe they were attainable but i didn't make enough of them that it made me feel really good about myself sometimes as a new teacher you need to find ways to make yourself have a win here and there because your first year is extremely difficult. It's the first time that you get to fly without, you know, no leash per se. In your student teaching, you always had someone looking over your shoulder. Now you get to do your own thing, but that means you get to sink or swim kind of on your own. I mean, you always have some people there to support you, but set some goals, really take in all the Small goals that you overcome throughout the year. I think that that's a, a great one to have. Uh, yep. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't know if we were going to go down all five here or if we're going to just alternate. Maybe we should alternate. I think. Yeah, start.
0: yeah. maybe we'll split them up. That might be a better way. My first one is a quick one, too. It's just getting to know the people who really run the school. I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but it bears repeating the uh, secretaries and the custodians are the the real ones behind behind the show that keep things running smooth. Um, I know, for, for me, definitely uh, getting to know the secretaries treating them well is of critical importance. And that is true for the custodians as well. If you do not do that, you will quickly find uh, there's a lot of things that become more difficult for you. So uh, that's just like, Number one, off the top for new teachers, you got to take some time to get to know these people, make sure they know who you are, co- uh, consider a Christmas gift, especially your first year. But even as the years go forward, that goes a long way to let them know they're appreciated. Let them know that you understand just how important their job is and how much they are helping you out.
1: Yeah, the best thing about secretaries, you get on their, their good side, you, they know everything about the building right? Everything. So you always have a valuable resource there. I agree with that. Uh, My next one is come up with an organizational system that works for you. And uh, for this one, I'm not talking about where you put your paper clips and your red pens. What I'm doing is I'm talking about how you get things done for me every single Sunday. And it's, it's kind of true to this day. Every Sunday while football is on, I grade my papers. i make my lessons I refine my lessons from years past and I get ready for the the next upcoming week all right so that that's been my go-to since I started teaching and this system works for me I know other people like to kind of go as the week goes and they like to kind of write their lesson plans on Sunday but really develop all the activities you know as they go on that day or that week, day by day. And that's totally not me. I like to get everything done. And then what I might do in the morning, because I'm an early riser, I get into school early, I might look over what I'm doing for that day or tweak some things uh, or whatnot. But uh, for me, make that organizational system that works for you. You need to find the best way for you to work. Yeah, that's right. I
0: when I started, I did. uh, I thought about how my brain works in terms of like what do I need to know each day when I come in to prep. So my, you've seen my my files before. Everything is arranged by day. So if I click on Unit Two, there's I don't know four files there that are labeled Day One Hyphen Worksheet, Day One Hyphen Presentation, Day One Hyphen Video. Cause that's how I think I'm super linear there. Everything's got like a sequence and because that's how my brain is, that's how my files are organized. So, but you just, the point of what guys shared is you got to think about what's going to work for you. So I like that one a lot. It's um, worth saying. I'm going to do not to mess up the flow here, but I've got three of these, my next three that are all pretty similar um, and hugely important. First of those being observe your veteran teachers. And that means, you know, across the board, kind of figure out where to go and what to do and watch how things work. Uh, but mostly that means get in the classroom with them. You know, I've observed all kinds of people uh, in my department and across departments over the years. And, and you learn something from that every, every single time. Um, it's a tremendously helpful thing to do. So you got to do it. Um, part of that and my second one is not being afraid to ask for help. That kind of is asking for help is going in and watching to see how something is done. Um, and the next one, the third one is, is leaning on, on these people. If you're struggling and you don't know how to do something, just ask. People want to help teachers more than anybody else want to help. That's mostly why they they're in the job that they are in. It's because they like helping people out. And that includes helping colleagues. Um, you know, you when I started, I think it was your second or third year teaching and you helped me because you saw me sitting there making all my PowerPoints like fresh from scratch every time. And uh, I, I'll always remember you just told me don't reinvent the wheel and show me that you can just Google anything. This is 15 years ago, but we <laughs> you just like Google any PowerPoint presentation you want and somebody else's is out there for it to use. And still like this year, I'm using some of those for various purposes obviously i've changed them a lot but um there's just tons of great tips so you got to talk to these people let them know when you're struggling
1: and you will uh it'll just be tremendously helpful yeah that's a that's a great list and uh the only thing i could add there is observe that in teachers uh a lot of times all, all you have to do is ask there and uh some some schools have a program called the pineapple express or something like that and there's a pineapple on the door, that means that they welcome other people to come in and observe them without even asking. So uh, that's something to keep, keep a lookout for and maybe ask around if you do see some pineapples on the door. I know that was popular for a while. Uh, I'm going to do a couple here as well. Uh, come into teaching with a growth mindset. Uh, teaching changes not only year after year, but really day after day. I mean, sometimes i feel like one to one devices evolved so much in about a 5 year span it was like bring your own device to school uh you could use your cell phones and then it was ipads and then it was chromebooks and then it was a hodgepodge of everything so i mean that's just something that changed we went from just standing up there and lecturing to more of a project-based learning or student-centered learning and now we're throwing in ed tech as well along the way so things change they change rapidly i think it's for the better find something that you like to do and that also fits the needs of your students and that's part of my next one it's learn as much as you can about your students all right so if you're planning a picnic, and this is uh, our good buddy, Kyle Nehmes' uh, example that he likes to use uh, about universal design for learning, which is just saying that not everybody learns the same way and, and we should really be catering to the many needs of our students, think of your, your class of students as inviting them all to a picnic, okay? If you're getting ready for a picnic, you need to know dietary restrictions, what people like to eat and what they don't like to eat, what they can and cannot eat. So there's no, it's not any different in your classroom. Get to know your students, get to know their favorite foods or their favorite way to learn and what allows them to learn. Are they visual learners? Are they auditory learners? Uh, whatever they are try to come up with activities or options for them to learn in the way that they're comfortable. So those two, I, I feel like you can connect those, but those two are, are great. And I might as well just throw my last one in there because it's quick. We talk about it all the time. And let's be a part of a PLN, a professional learning network. I personally like Twitter. I connect with a lot of people on Twitter. I find a lot of value on Twitter, find a lot of great resources on Twitter. Once you get to know people on Twitter, you can just ask a general question to uh, all your friends on Twitter. And usually within an hour, you got some answers, you got some resources, you got some suggestions, and it's just a powerful way to build your educational tool set.
0: Yeah, uh, those are three awesome ones. All I could say is uh, to go back to the first one, you mentioned the growth mindset thing. since I started teaching, I keep looking out for a, you know, a consecutive year where I'm done. Like where I've did all the work. I don't have to change anymore. I figured it out. And you know, 13, 14, whatever this is years in, I've never had that year. And you got to learn to stop looking for that year. Cause it's, it's just never happens. Something's always going to be changing. You know, I w- I've sort of felt like I was getting there when COVID hit and then that totally flipped everything upside down. And now I'm at the point where, like you said, just expect it. If you're not looking to reach that plateau, then you'll never be thrown off when things change because things will change every single year. And it's, it's better to, to not get to that plateau too, because you want to be growing. You want to be constantly trying new things and changing. That's what keeps it fun. That's what keeps it interesting. So that's a, a big one. And I, often overlooked. that
1: yeah i call that chasing the unicorn you're always chasing something that can't be caught right and uh so we're chasing the unicorn there just that's a great thing keep chasing it because you're elevating your game as you go looking for this thing so uh that's a great one you have one more left and i think this one is very important yeah, then my last one is say
0: yes to everything. If, if you're not going to do it your first year, do it your second year, do it your third year. Give yourself one year early on in your career where you say yes to everything. Be super busy. Get involved with as many clubs as you can. Coach a sport. Coach multiple sports. Um, you know, the downside of that, of course, is, is the stress that can come along with that. But I got to say, looking back at my years, uh, teaching, the best years are the years where I where I was super involved. I knew a ton of students, uh, had relationships with all kinds of different students, and it's sort of like one of those things in retrospect where you can look back and say those were the best years because I was really part of the community, uh, part of the school. And I think I think giving yourself a at least one year like that is is really important to to sort of becoming part of that school and letting people know that you're there and you're there to help. That's not always sustainable, right? Cause we have kids and you get married and all sorts of stuff happens where you can't do that. But if it's early in your career, um, I think it's one of the best things you can do. I know you run things a similar way and you, you would probably agree with that advice.
1: Yeah. I like to be busy. I like to, to be involved in, you know my priorities did change since uh having three kids but uh i i think that's a great thing one of the best ways to earn your students trust is to be involved with things that aren't just in the classroom show them that you're human show them that there are other things and show them that you care and i think that's very 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 important uh but i will i will say this i will say this uh you know, I think it was like five years ago now, maybe six, you did sign you and I up to be class advisors <laughs> for a class. I don't even think you asked me. You just told me that we're doing it. And I promise you before you retire and I retire, I will repay you with the same courtesy and I will get you, you know, I don't know, maybe there'll be like sacred swimming team. That might be <laughs> a good coach for you. There you go. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Rubik's Cube Club. I mean, there's more than one way to solve a Rubik's Cube. At least I think so, but it's very hard for the colorblind. All right, let's get into the next one, which is uh, – I'm not going to allow you to talk there. No sure. way. Um, let's get in for returning teachers. And for this one, why don't we just do our five, and then I'll just pick one out that you know kind of stands out to me, and uh, you could do the same. Yeah,
0: that's a good idea. So here, I'll run through my five first. Uh, the first one is quick and easy. Don't be afraid to cut back. Uh, as we're coming in off a couple of hard years of teaching with the COVID pandemic, of course, you everybody's still feeling a little bit burnt out. So don't be weary of that. It's it's good to do. But I would say if you are trying to cut back, at least pick one new thing. And since it's got Tech the Podcast, pick one new piece of EdTech that you're going to learn this year and make that your thing. So that's my number one. Number two is focus on getting organized. A lot of the times if you uh, are returning teachers, you kind of you get so in the zone that you f- forget the things around you that are disorganized. I've got a shelf in my office that is just cluttered with so much junk that I honestly haven't even touched or looked at or used for 10 years Maybe notice one of those things and tackle it. This could be digital. Maybe you've got some folders that need cleaned up that you just never look at anymore. You could uh, delete them, throw them away, move them around. So that's my second one. Number three, uh, pick something you've always wanted to do and do it. Um, This is kind of overlaps with the last one. If there's an old shelf that you have a bunch of junk saved, you could empty it out. Um, A committee around school that you've always thought you would be kind of good at, but you've never taken the plunge to do it, join that committee this year, pick something like that and make this the year that it gets done. Um, for something a little different, my number four is pick a new lunch routine. I've noticed the past few years, everybody kind of gets settled in and does the same thing during lunch. You go and, and work out. Uh, I kind of sit in the our science office and uh, just be part of the general chit chat to learn what's going on and, and, and relax and get away from, you know, teaching for a little bit and take a mental break. Maybe change it up, pick something else, um, go, you know, do a, a lap around the school to get outside. You might find it helps you out a little bit through your day. And lastly, number five is a focus on um, behaviorism and behaviorism works. This is more on the classroom management side. Uh, you know, it used to be in schools, teachers just yelled at kids. And I know it hasn't been that way for a long time, but you just got yelled at and sent to the whatever, like the timeout table or whatever we used to have as kids. Um, Things are changing, man, for the better. And a lot of this stuff is based on behavior principles, like giving students choice, gives them a little agency in how they're learning, right? Instead of uh, telling students, this is how you're going to do it, or these are the rules, let them choose the rules. Now you're still coming up with those choices yourself, of course, so you have the control, but you're giving the students some control themselves. Uh, Limit attention for negative behaviors. I don't do a whole lot of classroom management. One of the things I'm best at is, is ignoring things because a lot of the times a student is doing something negative in your classroom because they want the attention. They want you to kind of lash out. Maybe they think it's funny that happens a lot at the older grades, but you can, you can do a lot of classroom management by doing nothing and not responding, sort of picking your battles. Right. So there's tons of great stuff there that can, uh, that can help teachers out in, in that world. And I thought that would be kind of good for, uh, returning teachers to hear.
1: Yeah. I like that list. Uh, one of the things I, I like the most about that list is the last one that you shared. Uh, I don't, no, if you remember this but this is one of the things that i typically tell new teachers i call it the tissue box do you remember what the tissue box was because i i uh, no. no, what is it that you. you'll probably remember after i started saying yeah it, but uh i always had i would always look for the kids that can you know they're good in class for the first 15 20 minutes but every once in a while once it gets like 15 20 minutes in and i can't really change the activity Uh, And they start getting fidgety or maybe they act up or something like that. I always have a pass that I laminate and it just says um, student to main office for a box of tissues and it has my name signed. And I just go and I usually have a conversation with this person because it builds trust at the beginning of the year. Be like, hey, I can relate to you. I couldn't sit still when I was in school either. Um, this is just a quick pass for you to take a walk down to the office, get a box of tissues, come back, and kind of reset and recharge. And so I would give this pass out any time that I felt like I had to. I usually had a couple of kids, uh, either in a class or two, that would need this. They would go down. The secretaries know that I send people down for tissues. Typically, I go take them back. Uh, Cause otherwise I'd have 50 boxes of tissues every couple of weeks, but I call it my tissue box pass. But um, what that does is it allows them to recharge and it doesn't put this like big uh, attention to that person. You know, they don't think that they're like the class thinks that they're going to get a tissue box. It's not like disciplining them. It's just allowing them to get a couple free minutes uh, to go kind of recharge their battery a little bit. They come back and they're usually fine for the rest of the period, especially when we went to longer periods. This is a just a, a great thing to learn. And uh, usually that takes that hard, difficult student in your classroom and makes them an ally instead of a foe uh, in their eyes. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and you're also letting them know that what they're doing is not okay, but you're giving them an out from that behavior that's non-punitive. That's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. And you're right. I did remember it as soon as you started talking about it. That's, a, that's an awesome tip. Let's, uh, let's hear your five.
1: All right. So I'm going to continue off with what I left off uh, for the new teachers. And I'm going to say, continue to grow your PLN. You never know when you're going to need them. You never know when life changes and you're going to need maybe a new job or something like that. And you have these connections. That's going to be a lot easier. Uh, to handle Uh, expand your practice through reflection reflection is key especially in my practice I am not like I am not someone that sits down and uh, meditates or or anything like that I mean I believe in quiet Uh, I I do understand the art of meditation but my I guess my form of meditation is really reflection I need quiet I like to think about what I accomplished, what I need to do, uh, what went well, that type of thing. But I would just uh, come up with a practice that works for you. I, I know I used to go out on weekends and I would go sit up in a tree that overlooked a creek and I'd strap myself into the tree, I'd create some papers, just think about what I had to do. Um, but that allowed me to get through the school year and it allowed me to be refreshed every week because it was part of my practice. So that's very important. Uh, next one is kind of like giving back in order for us to get where we are today. We had some really strong teachers. So show us some great things throughout, uh, our time period at Hopewell. So, uh, reach out and lend a hand to your new teachers. It's okay to go up and introduce yourselves. They're, they're nervous of being there. They're excited about being there. And, you know, lend them a hand. Sometimes it's better if you let them ask. But if you see something, go up to them and be like, hey, I really like the way you did this. Have you ever thought of this? And help them grow their craft. Give back to your profession. Uh, my fourth one is to avoid burnout by trying something new. You you and I both said this. The greatest thing in teaching is being excited about something, trying something new, and that will help you avoid burnout. So do that. I know ours has been, you know, the podcasting course or, you know, this year with branding. I'm super excited about branding. Uh, that's getting me Pump for the for the new school year, and that's a great way of doing it. And the last one is find ways to be more efficient with your time. And you and I, we do a lot of productivity shows episodes, and uh, I think just finding an ed tech tool that allows you to do something quicker, better, faster, smarter is something that you should always seek as an experienced teacher. Uh, a lot of the time, the new teachers. They're making a lot of stuff in that first year. They don't have time to go and look for and do research and tools. Luckily, you have this this podcast that will do that for you. But, um, yeah, just be more efficient with your time. Find ways to take shortcuts of things that don't really matter and, and really spend the extra time developing something that does. So those are my five.
0: Yeah, that's another great list of five. I'm going to call out your your middle one, which was reaching out and lending a hand to your new teachers for a different reason than you mentioned. You know, if it's, a, if it's a quality individual that's in that position, which the vast majority of the time it is, you may find you learn a lot of stuff from that new teacher as well. That's one of the coolest things about those relationships, especially in like a mentor program. Maybe that's something else I wanted to add, too maybe sign up to be a teacher mentor for somebody new that's in your department that can be very mutual it can there can be lots of learning in both directions as much as the returning teacher kind of can show that person some of the unique ins and outs to that school and how things run and what the students are like and and just little tips and meeting people the new teacher is probably going to have a lot to bring to the table as well the new teacher new teacher has probably learned things about Education that are newer and fresher, uh, some different methodologies and approaches that the returning teacher may not know about. So, there, there can be some side benefits to these things, you know, besides just the rewards of helping somebody out, which is the best part anyway. So, I think that's probably my favorite out of your list. And man, we've gone through 20 things so far. We're going to wrap it up now with uh, one final list. Uh, this is the EdTech portion. We've got five um, ed tech tips here, and we're going to end it with some, you know, some specific tool mentions, I, su- I suppose we'll call it, where I've got a list and you guys have a list. We're going to put those things side by side. Um, so, do you want to kick off the... Or we're sort of doing these together, too. Do you want to start it off?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a show if we didn't talk a little ed EdTech, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but... Solidify your skills is our first one, our first tip for integrating ed tech. And this just basically means be comfortable going in and uh, being able to figure out an ed tech tool on the fly. Uh, Solidify your skills and just remember that these ed tech tools are always changing. And some people see that as, you know, a problem being problematic. I don't because when we introduce this into the classroom, not only is my set of eyes on it, but I have 24 kids that their are set of eyes on it. And sometimes it's cool to tackle a problem together and see what the, the tool really has. So solidify your skills, just understand that most of these edtech tools are very similar in functionality or how they work or how they're implemented. And once you start being comfortable with one tool, Two tools, three tools. After that, it starts. You'll you'll just be comfortable at, at exploring, and that's a, a big part of this whole integrating ed tech game.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna skip to one uh, a later one that I think builds on that in a in a way, which is allowing students to use tools that they are comfortable with. Sometimes teachers get really focused on all right. We're doing a I don't know. Let's say a student podcast in class this week. And we are using, I don't know, Video, let's say. Well, a kid comes up and says, I don't really like Video. Can I use iMovie? Maybe they bring their iPad to school or they, you know, their MacBook or whatever it is. And they just have something they know better and can work with better. I personally would not tell them no. And actually, it would make for a better, more enriching environment if there's different kids using different things. I've seen this happen just this past year where somebody was trying to figure something out in Wii video near the person who was using iMovie and the iMovie person who was more familiar with just video editing in general was able to tell the Wii video person what to do, even though they said they didn't like Wii video and that's why they were on iMovie. It was just, I don't know, like this back and forth, this interplay of having kids on different things. So totally do that. If someone comes to you and says, can I use X as long as it's school appropriate and approved, of course, you got to go for that. That just makes things even stronger as far as ed tech integration goes.
1: Yeah, so that's that's a great point. I mean, a lot of times we're in school right now and we taught Microsoft for the first our one colleague taught Microsoft uh, for the first 10 years of his career. And now we are at Google School. And the reason why he taught Microsoft is because a lot of businesses use Microsoft. Well, now, I mean, a lot of businesses are switching over to the Google products. So the key here is he taught them ed tech skills and he got them comfortable with one format or one platform. And now they're able to make that easy transition because they're comfortable using EdTech and using certain tools that are similar with one another. Every once in a while, there's a wacky formula change between the two or something like that. But for the most part, they'll be able to figure it out because they've they've been able to get comfortable with the tool that they like to use first. And that allows them to strengthen their, their abilities with other tools. So... The next ones I'm going to kind of tie them together because I, I see them kind of tying together I guess. So the first one is don't be afraid of failing. Uh, failing with an ed tool students like when teachers take risks and go outside of the comfort zone. Now I will caution you if if you or uh, you have anxiety in the classroom or you think your classroom is a little on tilt because uh, you had a couple of rough lessons, it might not be the right time. You probably should do something that you're super comfortable with. But if if everything's been going pretty well and you want to try something really cool, I would go ahead and do it and not be afraid of failing because you could always recover the next day and switch things up. And a good way to figure things out or to test things out to make sure that you don't fail is to go in it with your PLC, have them try out the new piece of technology or your lesson and give feedback and things like that. Uh, So when you integrate EdTech, it's already been tried by someone that knows what they're doing or knows what they're looking for. So I think those two are obvious, um, some great tips for integrating technology in the classroom.
0: Yeah, for sure. Which I guess leads us to our, our last one, number five, which is a whole whole big bag of things in and of itself, uh, and that is creating your edtech toolkit. Finding sort of like your your go to is the way to describe this. Um, Geist has shared his before in a, a solo episode, of, know, almost said a few months back, a year and a few months back. Uh, so we're kind of going to do it fresh here and compare his to mine. Maybe we can go. Piece by piece here. We kind of categorize things. The first category is presentations. Um, What did you, what was your choice for presentations?
1: Yeah, before we get into that, the EdTech Toolkit is your go to set of tools. I am a strong believer in picking just a couple tools to introduce to your kids at the beginning of the year. Because remember, Most of your kids have seven or eight teachers and each one of those teachers probably have three, four, five, six, seven tools. They will overlap, but that becomes very daunting. So if you can just pick a couple of tools or just introduce them slowly throughout the year, I think that is a big thing to think about when you're you're creating your ed tech toolkit. And don't be afraid to use the same tool for multiple purposes either. So as Nick said, we've made up these categories. Our first one is presentations, but we also do infographics, feedback, productivity, audio, video, organization, and formative assessment. So these make up our toolkit every once in a while. We might have to make up a new category. Like I know Nick, you'd like to make a stop motion. Uh, You have a stop motion project that you do every year and you have a specific ed tech tool for that. Uh, But we'll, Yeah, let's just go back and forth. The first category is Presentations. I choose Slide Mania. I hope everyone knows what Slides Mania is uh, by now, Uh, but it's a great way to get um, templates of PowerPoints and Google Slides for free. It's a lady named Paula that does this, and she does an amazing job. And she makes all these uh, presentations that teachers can use for free of charge. I suggest uh, clicking her buyer coffee button if you do use one. But these are great. They save hours and hours of time and they're super creative and the kids love them.
0: Yeah, Slides Mania is awesome. But for presentations, I picked Canva. Um, as you guys know, if you listen to this show, Canva is my fave. It's great. It's all about graphic design, but their presentations are really great. You can download them as Google Slides or PowerPoint, whatever you want. They just look awesome. If you want super professional presentations, I think it's the way to go. Um, I'll do the next one, too. Our next category was infographics, and I'm jumping into it because for infographics, I also picked Canva. I just finished making I have to teach a new course this year that I've never taught before. Different from World Ready, that is honors chemistry. I've never done that before. Uh, So I had to make a new syllabus and I do my syllabus uh, in infographic form. And of course, I use Canva to make it because Canva is awesome for infographics.
1: I didn't know that you were teaching honors this year. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) That's fantastic. You're going to have a lot of preps this year. A lot of fun. Uh, uh, I also chose Canva for infographics. I'm a big fan of Canva as well for the same reasons. Uh, the next one is feedback and as you know I'm doing a presentation on Friday on Moat so that one until something comes up and uh, beats it uh, I'm going to do that but I'm also going to list another one. I also put it in audio video but this is the video version of uh, feed you know the video version of Moat. Moat is auditory uh, comments, but ScreenPal, which is a new one by ScreenCast-O-Matic, ScreenPal allows you to click on any blank where you would normally type in and throw in a video in there, and that's a great way to provide feedback as well. So ScreenPal and Moat are my two for feedback. If I'm just going to do something super, super quick, I'd probably use Moat. Even though ScreenPal could be done the same way, but maybe they need to look at my facial expressions when I'm when I'm talking, or maybe I just want to torture them with my uh, my looks. I don't know, but uh, ScreenPal is another fantastic one.
0: Yeah, two great tools. I also picked two tools for feedback. One is Poll Everywhere. Most of you people probably know Poll Everywhere. It's my favorite one for just putting up a quick sort of you know way to get immediate information about what the students understand. They open up their phones, they type in a code, they respond and I get results of what everybody's saying. And they do all kinds of stuff like word clouds, whatever you want, Uh, check it out if you've never used it. Um, I'm also gonna mention Floop here, and this is catering to the math and science people out there specifically, although they're expanding and doing a lot more that you can check out. Uh, Essentially, Floop is like the immediate feedback tool for handwritten stuff with calculations mostly, hence the math and science connection. But, you know, kids are writing out their solution, their mathematical solution to something on a piece of paper. And in Floop, they upload a picture of it and you can add comments almost like, um, you know, little annotations to different areas of those calculations. And the students see that feedback in real time. So Floop can be great to digitize that, that type of grading for that type of work. And you might want to check that one out too. Next up, we've got uh, productivity. I'll do my productivity, which is the Snipping Tool, a classic. We've talked about it many times since the very beginning of the show. Um, this is a Windows tool, uh, just Microsoft Windows. If you've never used it, you just like it's just basically screen capping, but only certain areas of the screen. So if you need to steal like a little picture from something or Uh, Just whatever it may be, just an image that that you want and you can't get it any other way. It's going to take the quality down a couple notches, but it's usually nothing noticeable. The snipping tool uh, has saved me hours and hours and hours of recreating things because I can just grab an image of it myself. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, and don't fear if if you have a Chromebook. They have uh, their version of a snipping tool and there's a lot of great extensions out there. And uh, as well as Apple, Apple and Mac, they have their own version of the snipping tool, but it is amazing to know how many teachers have no clue that this tool is available. So really use that snipping tool. I use it at least 50 times a week when we're in in school. Uh, I use it to clip my emails that are important that I wanna come back to later. I have a folder on my desktop and what I do is I, I snip it, I save it in there, and then I just put the date that I have to check on it. A lot of people hit snooze, but you know what my inbox looks like. Uh, if you want to take a guess, take a guess at how many uh, emails that I have that are unread in my Gmail right now. I don't know. It's just making me sick even thinking about it. 15 unread? You, you said 1,500, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm low on it, but (laughs) you'd be closer with 1500, uh, 1773. Oh my God. Most of them are newsletters that I subscribe to and they go directly into folders. So I could go and look at them later. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I have a lot of them. It's all good though. All right. My productivity tool is print friendly PDF. It's an extension. Uh, I go and I look for articles or something very quick that I want to share with the students, maybe a current event or something like that. And I want to get rid of all the pictures and the advertisements and all that stuff. And I just want them to be able to read the article or what they need to read. So if you uh, use print-friendly PDF, what it does is it takes all those uh, web blocks or web units. So a picture is a web unit, uh, a title is a web unit, The, the article, the text itself is a web unit. And you hover over anything you don't like and there's a trash can that comes up and it allows you to delete it. And I use it all the time. I save it as a PDF or I just copy and paste what I want them to see into a Google Doc and I'll share it out through our LMS. But that's my productivity hack. Saves me a lot of time. Saves the school a lot of uh, um, money too because if I would print all this stuff out with all the different pictures and stuff, it would waste a lot of colored ink. So that's my productivity tool. Our next category is audio video. Uh, As I said before, I had two here. I use WeVideo for pretty much every student creative project. Uh, I just have one thing that I haven't looked at it since last year, so I'm hoping, I'm praying that maybe they switch this up. But the one bone I have to pick with WeVideo is when the students work. They cannot export in 1080p. The highest that they could get is 720. And kids notice that it is very grainy and it's low quality. And it's no different than a student going out into the uh, hallway that is not well lit and trying to do a video for their class project. They lose interest in it. They just do it to get it done. And this is one of my biggest things with the and and we have the the education account so we have the pro tools for the for the students and everything like that they just don't have the ability to export in 1080p so we video if you, there's anybody out there that's listening to this or if anyone knows anyone from we video i hope that at some point in time this is corrected if it isn't already because you know it's just a bummer we have some kids doing some awesome stuff and you know they lose a little bit of interest because the the 1080 isn't there
0: yep that's a good pick i love video and uh, your criticism is, is worth mentioning but it, even without it it's just an awesome tool my audio video selection is screencastify i'm sorry screencast-o-matic i'm switching officially i just use it too often i can't not pick it it's so easy to use for quick Video recordings, screencast video recordings. There's, there's nothing else to say. Um, you know, my normally I in the in the past I have always refused to mention Screencastify and instead used Screencast Omatic, which I still pay for myself personally and Standby for its awesome editing. So if I'm making a super professional looking screencast, I am going to go Screencast matic But on on a daily classroom quick, you know, an easy basis. You got to go Screencastify, man. It makes the cut for my EdTech toolkit. Hate to say it, Um, but I I got to.
1: My my other one was ScreenPal. I totally forgot to mention that, but I did mention it earlier. And the only thing that's more disappointing than me forgetting to mention a tool is your switch over to Screencastify. I can't believe that just happened. I, I will agree that screencastify has a lot of uh, amazing functionality and this is this is a great example about why we share so many of these screencasting tools uh, you just you just talked about the different use cases between screencastify and screencast-o-matic I would agree but I would disagree I am just a snob and I will <laughs> I will take screencast-o-matic to the grave uh, you know when when I'm when I'm going six feet under that's one of the things that's coming with me I' I'm, I'm right. take I'm taking my digital computer I'm gonna I'm gonna ask to be buried with it and on that digital computer will be screencast-o-matic how's that for uh, I don't know what I don't know what just happened. I blacked out. But, uh,
0: <laughs> no, I'm glad there's someone there to carry the flag, man. I'll be I'll be right behind you, but I had to switch teams. I'm officially a flip-flopper, but I can't I can't help it. It's just too easy to use. Um, and I'll I'll just let's wrap it up. I'm going to do the we have two more categories, organization and formative assessment. I'll do both mine. Organization, we've got extensity. This is an extension and it organizes your other extensions. So if you've got a lot of these things, you can quickly turn them off and on with Extensity, and it's a great way to kind of stay organized in your Chrome browser. For formative assessment, I'm going to throw out quizzes. This is one of the many great game-based platforms out there, uh, so there's not too much to say about it besides it's a great one, and I particularly like it for kids, you know, taking a quiz on their own and testing themselves to get that formative
1: feedback. So that's my last two. All right, so we we both—I'll—I'll I'll go out of order here. We both pick formative assessment, um, the same tool, quizzes, and I don't know if you remember back to the the bracket EdTech um, bracket, yeah. the March Madness bracket, but uh, that was my winner. That's been my winner that I picked Ooh. the last two years. This year, uh, there there there's some like calculation error in the final or something. Somehow they lost after they were up by like (laughs) three thousand votes with thirty seconds left. I don't know what happened there, but uh, I will tell you this: uh, you know, if if Quizzes is listening out there, you guys can uh, give Kyle Nemus a raise because he kind of, you know, (laughs) showed us a lot of the awesomeness of Quizzes, and uh, you know, it's just a great tool. And there's a lot of things to really, really like about it. And uh, I'm I'm very excited to use Quizzes this year, um, a lot more than what I have in years past. So uh, kudos to that, kudos to the great product. Uh, my organization tool is Trello. I don't understand why more people don't get in bo- on board with uh, Trello. Uh, Trello allows you to work in teams uh, and kind of get stuff done. So. Or you could just share certain lists. Uh, So Nick and I, we have one for this podcast. And every time we think of a show idea that we want to do, we put it on the Trello board. And then within that Trello board, we can attach things from our Google Drive. So if we have show notes, we can attach those. Resources, we can attach those. We can assign them colors. We can make labels. We can share them with other people. We can assign them to other people. And I do this for every aspect of my life. My wife gets the grocery list on Trello. So I start typing in a grocery list, she starts adding stuff. And then at, you know, whoever's going to the grocery store, we go onto the Trello board. They have an app, they have an extension. It's all gravy. You got to get on board with Trello. And that's going to wrap up today's episode of Got Tech the Podcast. And I'm going to tell you right now, we say this a lot, but we really appreciate the support that you give us through our uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can review, rate us, leave some type of uh, a review there. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, people ask where they can ask questions if they don't want to go on to Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or any of the other places we're at. And an Apple podcast review is a great place to leave a question. You can find our podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast players that are popular. You can go get more of Got Tech the podcast by going to gottech.com. Please tell all your friends about Got Tech the podcast and tell your friends about the Teach Better podcast network, which we are a proud partner of. Till next time. Go uh, enjoy the start of your new year. Make sure that you uh, put yourself out there if you're a new teacher. Uh, Set some goals. Uh, Existing teachers keep building that PLN, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.